My brothers and sisters, today we close off the Christmas season with the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And in our Gospel, we see an image that really is probably one of the most widely reproduced images in the history of Catholic arts. So if you ever have the opportunity to go to Italy, for example, I mean, you walk into church after church and you see this image. It's so iconic. It's so central and so important. It's the first time that the Blessed Trinity was revealed to humankind in, in a public manner, a public manner. And so when Jesus comes, he brings us the, the teaching that God is three in one, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But this image also is about our baptism as well and about the sacrament of baptism, which is kind of what I'm going to be addressing and speaking about in my homily. Jesus did not need to be sanctified in the rivers of the Jordan. Rather, he sanctified the rivers of bap- the waters of baptism for us. All the Old Testament pointed with all its symbolism and with all its rituals. They were, they were pointers or shadows or images that were directed towards the reality that is Jesus. And so now the reality shows up. So now the reality shows up. And when, when reality makes contact with the waters of baptism, it makes those waters a conduit of the reality of God, the reality of His grace. And so from Jesus onwards, in the inauguration of Christian baptism, baptism is not just a mere symbol like it was in the Old Testament, but Rather, it is a real conduit of God's grace. Very, very, so that's just kind of like our basic understanding of what baptism is. But for purposes of this homily, I want to do a more general application in the sense that God takes natural, normal, created, humble, human things, and it's those ordinary things through which the extraordinary comes into our lives. It's through the natural that the supernatural comes into our lives. A lot of the ancient church fathers reflected upon the element of water itself, that it was the most humble of all the different elements. And, and if you think about it today, it's only 10 o'clock right now, but we've probably, each one of us in here has probably used water multiple times today, right? To drink, to eat, to, or to, or to wash, so forth and so on. Okay, probably I've already done dishwashing, I've drank, I've taken a shower. You use water all the time. It's commonplace, it's ordinary. God takes the ordinary and he uses it to bring to us the extraordinary. Okay? And uh, water is a very humble element because it always seeks the lowest point. It's always going down, down, down. And how amazing is this? That God himself submits to a man in the sacrament of baptism. And that's the kind of sort of counterintuitive uh, paradox that John the Baptist himself in our gospel today is sensing when he says, oh my gosh, you're coming to me to be baptized? I ought to be baptized by you. Okay, so God, as it were, submits himself to these lowly, humble things, and he uses those to reach us. To reach us. And so, in general, it is natural things and human things that bring us the supernatural and the divine. Probably many of you know this. I have to kind of 
share a little bit of my background with some of my other churches, especially up in, in Wilka and Newark, because they don't know me as well as St. Joseph the Worker people do. But you, you know, probably most of you know, that for a number of years, when I was a teenager, I left the Catholic Church and I associated with evangelicals. And in the evangelical tradition, for the most part, uh, and really in American Protestantism in general, they really shun infant baptism. They don't believe that infant baptism is legitimate, is a, is a true form of baptism. And I actually I had that mindset as well, too, for a number of years. And uh, one of the consequences of infant baptism is the spread of Catholic Christian culture at, at a cultural and a human level. And so today it's a very secular world we live in, but in ages past, there was such a thing that we called Christendom. And that is that Christianity had influenced and leavened all sectors of society, cultural, artistic, political, social, family level. It was just, it permeated everything. It was so, it permeated everything so much to the point that if you read older literature, like if you read Shakespeare, just anything written hundreds of years ago, you see the term Christian is synonymous with for example, European. Okay, so they'll talk about a battle that might take place, and they say, well, there were, you know, 250 Arabs and, and, uh, and 350 Christians at war with each other. So Christian becomes synonymous with European, for example. Okay, now, in my old way of thinking, when I kind of bought into the, the anti-infant baptism mindset, which is referred to, scholars refer to it as the Anabaptist movement, the kind of Anabaptist thinking, I used to think to myself, well, let's see, that's a depletion of something spiritual and making it natural. That's a reduction. That's taking the, the, the supernatural and it's impoverishing it and just equating it with human culture. Isn't that terrible? That's, that's the mindset that I had. But then as the years went on, I continued to read, I, re I read a lot, and I read a lot of what we call the Church Fathers, which are the most ancient Catholic Christian authors in our tradition, go all the way back to the 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century, 4th, 5th, 6th, so forth and so on. After years of reading them, I really was appropriating their, their theology and their spirituality, and I was really kind of coming to a, a tipping point in my life, and I read one book, it was called The Way of the Pilgrim, a very beautiful spiritual classic, and it's actually an Eastern Orthodox uh, uh, work. It's written by an anonymous pilgrim who's going all over Russia. He's a peasant man, and he's a very simple man, and he's going from monastery to monastery looking for a teacher to teach him how to pray. So that's the premise of the book. But one day I was reading that book. I just opened it up, and I read the very first line the very first line of it, and it said, By the grace of God, I am a Christian man. By my actions, a great sinner, and by calling a poor, homeless, wandering pilgrim. But that first line was what struck me like lightning. By the grace of God, I am a Christian man. Meaning, he didn't choose to be born into a Christian society and civilization. And that was not some kind of insult to his freedom. That was not a depletion of his of the spirituality of Christianity. Rather, that was the grace of God. That was the grace of God. And in all my wanderings and 
stupid things that I did when I was a kid and the dumb things that I believed. My baptism was always with me. And it was like a magnet pulling me back to the church. Almost imperceptibly. Almost imperceptibly. And I came to see that far from taking something spiritual, this kind of language about European you know, or Russian equaling Christian, far from taking something spiritual and reducing it to the natural, rather what was taking place was that the supernatural was penetrating and impregnating, so to speak, and enlivening the natural and elevating it, lifting it up and making it a conduit of God's grace and activity. That God takes the natural and the ordinary, just basic cultural human things, and he uses them as conduits of the supernatural and the extraordinary. You know, we see sort of vestiges of Christendom in Europe to this day. And it's embedded right in the architecture. So if anybody's had the privilege of going to Italy, for example, and in many towns in Europe this is the case, the cathedral is in the center of the town. It's the center, and all roads lead to the cathedral. And it's the tallest building <clears throat> in the town. That's a, that's a real significant reality. And in Italy, the bells, the church bells, go off three times a day at least. Six o'clock in the morning, at noon, six o'clock at night. And everywhere you walk, outside, in public, there are public displays of religious art. There are images of Jesus and Mary statues and mosaics and frescoes. Wherever you look, everywhere you go. See, that's what God does by his grace, is he takes natural things like bells and buildings and roads, and he uses them as conduits of grace. He uses them as ways to reach us, to speak to us, to draw us to himself. And in today's secular world, we feel such an absence of God in the public sphere. We feel it deep down, even though we might not be honest with ourselves or completely admit it to ourselves. And sometimes we do things that are kind of substitutes for it. So something interesting, if anybody's been down south and driven through Alabama or whatever, that's the Bible Belt. You know, the Baptist religion is really big down south. And uh, everywhere you go, you see a huge billboard that says, Jesus is coming, repent of your sins, so forth and so on. Religious billboards are everywhere down south. You see, that's, that's, an, that's that longing of the human heart to see the supernatural in the natural, to see religion in the public sphere. Okay, it's kind of a replacement for Catholic Christian culture. And then in contrast, I think of go to New York City, go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, beautiful cathedral, right? And it was just recently cleaned, gorgeous cathedral. It's tucked away in a corner, and it's dwarfed by huge skyscrapers. And on these skyscrapers are huge electronic screens that advertise Nike. Okay? So it's, it's tragic in the sense that we've lost the supernatural influence in the natural realm. But my brothers and sisters, it's still there for us if we look closely enough. So as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate so much these basic, simple things. God's grace. I did not choose to be born in Western civilization where Christianity has such an influence. I did not choose to be born into a Catholic family. You know, many of us, our parents, 
They might have been saints. They might have been far from saints. But they had the Christian common sense to bring us to the font of baptism and, and to make us Christians. How beautiful, how beautiful and awesome is that. Something that I did not appreciate fully, or maybe at all really when I was younger, and grew to appreciate it. That God takes the natural things and he uses them as conduits of the supernatural. I'll give you one more example here. I, I was thinking as I'm praying and preparing this homily, I think to myself, you know, when I was a kid, I had, I had, I was blessed to have a Catholic education in grade school, not high school, but in grade school. And I really attribute to my Catholic education for as stupid as I was and for as many dumb beliefs as I had. I mean, you wouldn't want to talk to me when I was 16, okay? <laughs> I would have been spouting nonsense nonstop when I was 16. But I had never, ever once in my entire life have I ever thought, for example, that something as bad as abortion was more, would, would be morally legitimate. I never believed that. I always believed that abortion was wrong. For as dumb as some of the thoughts that I had and the things that I believed, I never believed that abortion was morally permissible. And that, and that is, why is that? Because I was told that from a kid, from a time when I was a young kid, my teachers at the Catholic school. It was made clear to me. And so those these natural, simple things that are conduits of God's grace in our life. My brothers and sisters, let's take today as we close off the Christmas season and reflect, what are the, some of those simple, humble, human things in our life? You know, it might have been Grandma's picture of the Last Supper that she had, you know, on the living room wall or in the, over the dining room table or whatever it is. You know, it might have been that crucifix. It might, what are these humble, simple things in our lives that God has given to us that we can be grateful for, especially, especially our baptisms. As we bring the Christmas season to a close with a celebration of our Lord's baptism, we recall how God, how the most extraordinary became ordinary and thereby did not cease to be extraordinary. We thank him for the ordinary and the natural things in our life that are the ways that he has chosen to reach us. Let's never despise the small and the ordinary simple things. It's these that God uses to make contact with